We're going to have Pastor Sarah and her team. And could we give them a big welcome as they come? Good morning. I'm so pleased to be able to be able to speak on Mother's Day. Um, I'm excited about what God is doing here at City Church and the series we've been doing, Let Your Kingdom Come. And today I'm going to talk about motherhood in the kingdom. And before all of you who say you're not mothers shut down, I'm talking about you too. Um, It's not just mothers as in females who have born children that I'm talking to this morning. And you'll see that quickly as we continue to go through. As Pastor Tom said, my team, I do have two special people here with me today who are going to come up later and share their stories with you. One of them is my mom, Jerry Carlin. I'm excited to have her able to speak with you this morning. Many of you already know her, but happy Mother's Day, Mom, and many of you don't see us together, so (laughs) I'm glad to have her. And then Britt Grange, who is a part of my arts team, and many of you have seen her on worship team or in other places. She does these lovely graphics that we have every Sunday, so um, she's going to share a little bit later as well. But I just wanted to say thank you to the mothers who are here today. What you do every day is something that God has wanted to place in our world, and that's why he gave us parents. And so we're going to watch this video, and then that's going to be our springboard for what we're going to talk about today. thank you mothers because you are showing daily a portrait of who God is. We often talk about as God as father. He is our father but we don't want to forget that his nature consists of being mother to us as well. Some of the scriptures you saw in that video say that that God has qualities about him that show motherhood and we're going to talk about some of those qualities actually look at Jesus today and how he displayed those things. But mostly, we know that the world needs to see God, that people who are coming to Christ, who are young in Christ, people who are growing up in this church, and people who are out in the world who don't ever go to church or even think about God much, all need to see God. 
And so that brings me to what we've been talking about in this kingdom series in the book of Matthew. And a scripture that I'm sure Pastor Tom will touch on as he continues to go through the series, but I am going to um, talk about it as well today. First, I want to give you a quote. Um, Mothers, this is what I really feel like you're doing, but this quote is going to be kind of the basis for where we go today. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And so I want to talk this morning about motherhood and discipleship, that the kingdom of God is built, as we know, by making disciples. And it might not be something we do other than make disciples, but someone we raise up, someone we pour into, that is what really changes someone else's life and changes the kingdom of God. All of us this morning are doing this, and I know that there are people here who think, I'm not a mother, I don't want to be a mother. That's, that's okay, but I think we all want to make disciples. So let's take a look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20. This scripture is probably pretty familiar to you. We often call it the Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the picture of what Jesus asked us to do as Christians, as followers of him. And I'm going to talk a little more about pieces of this scripture as we talk about the nature of God and how Jesus lived that out in disciple making. But I always look at this scripture and I think about what a wonderful picture this is, is in his final moments of Christ exemplifying what it means to make disciples and also send them out and ask them to make disciples. So we're going to look at discipleship and motherhood. And we're going to start out by looking at just Jesus, because I think if we're trying to figure out how to make disciples, we need to look at Jesus. He's the one who made the disciples and said this, these words to him and sent them out. And so we're going to start by talking about just some characteristics that Jesus did in discipleship making that we can do as well. The first one is that Jesus lived life with his disciples. We know that Jesus, in Matthew 9, we, he talks about how he traveled the villages, and the disciples were with him, and he taught in synagogues, and he healed the sick, and he did all of these different things. He lived life with them. So what does that mean? He ate with them. He slept with them. He traveled with them. Now think about this. We have all traveled with family, right? Traveling with each other is not always the funnest thing. It's really great for a while, and then all of a sudden, we're tired of traveling with one another. Jesus and the disciples did that together. They ate together. They went to weddings together. We have the story of Jesus at the wedding in Cana. We have all of these. His family was there. His mother was there. All of these things that Jesus did, they experienced the good and the bad together. They were together when Jesus entered, and people yelled, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were together when he was arrested and when he was crucified. The good and the bad. Jesus lived life with one another. With all of these disciples, he understood their lives. He called each one of them. He knew who they were. And he drew them into his life. And they lived together. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of what it makes means to make a disciple. Because I think often we think... Making disciples means getting together for coffee once a week and reading the Bible together. And that might be part of it, but it's much more important that we understand that Jesus lived life with his disciples, that daily he stood with them, he invited them into who he was, and he was a part of who they were. The second one is just a, a very important piece of who God is that Jesus exemplified beautifully. Jesus was a nurturer. It says here in Matthew 18 that the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like this little, the little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. What does it mean to nurture? It means to teach, to guide, to take a people to you and say, this is what it's supposed to be like. And I always, that particular um, question where the disciples say to him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? If you haven't noticed when you read the gospels, they ask him that question a lot. Who's the greatest? Am I the greatest? Is so-and-so the greatest? And he's continually coming back to him saying, no. Okay, let's do this again. And I think that's a huge part of nurturing. It's a part of God that we get to see through Christ where he says, okay, You're learning this, but let me show you again. I think I see that in my life over and over and over again, where I think I've learned something, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, God, please teach this to me again. (laughs) And that is a part of the nurturing nature of God, to say, okay, you got this part. Let's keep going. Let's work on this part. Jesus taught his disciples, and he taught all those who followed them. He showed and explained, and he gave examples, and he told stories. He told parables, just like mothers tell parables to their children, sometimes their picture books or sometimes their stories from their life. Jesus did the same. Jesus mentored. What does it mean to mentor? It means to advise, to counsel, to guide, and to be a confidant. He didn't just teach. He just didn't stand up in front of them and tell them stuff. He became their confidant. He he counseled them. He advised them. And Jesus assumed responsibility for them. And he held them accountable. That's what he's doing in that scripture. He's saying, okay, guys, this is what you need to do. And this is how you see the kingdom of God. And he held them accountable. He didn't just talk and walk away. He came back and said, are you doing this? Next characteristic that I see very clearly in Jesus is that he cherished. Cherishing is providing and protecting We saw that mentioned in that video, that that's what mothers do, and Jesus did the same. This is from Matthew 14. When Jesus had heard what happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. He went off by himself because he's tired. And the crowds followed him on foot. And he saw the large crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed the sick. Now we know that that is, when you cherish people, that's what you do. And you step out of your time alone that you wanted to be by yourself. And I know moms know what this is. And you have compassion on your children. And you step out and you help them. And he continues on in the story. We, we see this word. The disciples say, these people need to go away and eat. We don't have anything to give them. And Jesus says, well, just feed them. And they're like, well, we, don't, we just have five loaves of bread and two fish. What are we going to do? Jesus provides for his disciples and the people who are following him and he multiplies those things and he gives them to them in abundance and so we see that the cherishing nature of God is shown through Christ as he made his disciples he took time to cherish he cherished them and provided for them both physically and spiritually and he protected them we all maybe have heard in in times the story of when they're all on a boat and there's a huge storm and they're afraid and Jesus calms the storm He protects them from even the weather. And he loved them and had compassion for them. And in the end, he sacrificed himself for them and for us. He gave to them all that he possibly could. Jesus also comforted. That's another characteristic of God that is a motherhood characteristic. And we see that also in scripture when he says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. He wants to comfort. He wants to stand with them in difficult situations, when they're worried, when there's a storm, when Lazarus dies. He goes to those who he loves, and he comforts them. And he listened to them. He would listen to them, and he would respond. Those people who came to him, he would take time to listen and be with them. And then that, the final characteristic I just want to mention is that Jesus sent. This is back to our main scripture where we said that he, they came to the mountain and he sent them out. Um, one of the things about sending is that you're equipping, you're teaching, you're mentoring, you're doing all these things, nurturing, loving, cherishing, but then you have to send out. And that is a hard thing, but it's something that's absolutely necessary for 
making disciples and building the kingdom of God. And the one thing I love about that is we see that in that scripture, it says that they went up to the mountain that Jesus had prearranged. That sounds like a mother to me. <laughs> You're going to come here on this day. Okay. And then he, he meets them there and he tells them exactly who he is, that I have given you authority and you are not going to be alone. I'm going to be with you till the end of the age. He continues to disciple them in that moment and he lets them know that he's not leaving them alone, even though he's sending them out and they're going to do what he's equipped them to do. They're not alone, that he will be with them till the end of the age. He prayed for them and he gave them into God's hands. In John 17, there's a beautiful prayer where Jesus prays over us, but also mostly over his disciples. And I want to read that prayer to you because I feel like this is the heart of someone who nurtures, who cherishes, who comforts, and who was planning to send out despite his own death. I have revealed you to those whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and you have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come through me to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. And then later it says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have a full measure of my joy within them. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. It's a beautiful picture of what Jesus did to make disciples and how he prayed to the Father for them. So in his sending out, he also continued to ask the Father to be with them and let them know that he would be with them also. So we see these characteristics. We see that Jesus made disciples. We see that that can happen, but what does that mean in our own lives? Um, Sometimes we read scripture and we think, Yeah, I get it. Jesus did these things. Jesus did that things. I should try to do those. But I don't know what that means. I don't know how that looks in my life. And that's where the stories we want to share with you today come in. We want to talk about nurturing, cherishing, comforting, and sending in order to build the kingdom of God. But what does that mean to us? Those who are mothers, those who are mentors, those who are teachers, those who are Christians who God has called to make disciples. How does that work in our daily lives? So I'm going to share a couple of stories from my life, and my mother and Britt are going to come up and share from their life as well. First, I want to talk about nurturing. That was the first thing we looked at with Jesus, and so I want to tell you a little bit about how I've learned about nurturing. Um, Ever since I was a child, I loved to tell people what to do. I think that's why I'm a director. <laughs> I have. I, I like to tell people what to do. I'm pretty good at it. Um, and I, you know, and it's funny because I, you know, that's always went well as I grew older and learned you can't just tell people what to do. <laughs> um, but that's, I think, where a lot of my teaching came from. I, I like to be able to share with people, no, this is how, it, how you should do this. <laughs> and so I, um, my heart for teaching came. But I remember also growing up, we take those spiritual inventory tests. I don't know if you've ever taken one of those. And they have like rankings of, I don't know, your you know, your, whatever your spiritual gifts are. Mine, <laughs> mine were always things like administration and teaching and all of these things. And those things like nurturing and empathy and all that were kind of low on the list. <laughs> and um, I remember thinking, well, that's not good. <laughs> but I also remember thinking, okay, well, God, you've created me to be who you are and you know, who you want me to be. And so what does that mean? And so as I continued to, to get older, I would teach. In college, I was a TA. Um, I'd, I'd do some um, kind of like tutoring and things. And eventually, I started to get involved at ALCS with theater and drama, which was something um, that they needed and I loved to do. Very passionate, as you all 
know about me already. And I started to teach, um, to direct, and then eventually teach classes. And what I learned very quickly is that um, when you're working with children, you can't just teach them, you have to nurture them. And I did care about them. And as I became in relationship with them, and I suddenly found myself, I'd sit there and we'd be talking about something and it's amazing what you end up talking about. We, like, we'd be talking about food and I'd be like, they'd be like, I hate fish. I'm like, you don't hate fish. You've just never had good fish. You know, and we, see, see, I like to tell people what to do. And so we start having these conversations and all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know what real fish is. And we talk about that. And suddenly they're over at my house having fish, you know. Um, and I slowly found out that God didn't want me to just like tell people what to do. (laughs) He didn't want me to teach in that manner. He wanted me to invite them into my life. He wanted to say that the only way to teach them is to really to nurture and mentor them. And so I learned very quickly when they didn't know how to dance um, in regards to theater or when they didn't know how to cook or they didn't know how to dress or they didn't know all of those things that suddenly inviting them into my life, into my home, and my mom's life as well, they were learning things they had never learned before. And not just learning how to cook, how to dance, how to whatever we were trying to teach them, but they were learning about God. And they were learning about community and what it meant to be people of community who are Christians, who love each other and who spend time together. And so God very quickly taught me that I can't just run around telling people what to do, even if my intent is good. Even though I'm gifted in administration, in teaching, I need to nurture, I need to mentor. And so that's what I started to do. And you'll see a photo later of four guys um, who are currently in my independent study at ALCS, um, we're actually, we've been doing production design, we've been doing acting techniques, all sorts of stuff. But these four senior boys, I think, would say that more than anything in the independent study, they learn life skills. Because not only are we talking about lighting design and how to be a good actor and all the things that they want to learn about drama, we're talking about how to live life. I don't know how many conversations we have about adulting. Just what it's like to be an adult and how sometimes hard it is and what choices it means. We have a thing going, and you can ask them about it if you see them. When you see their photo, you'll recognize some of them. Where they all have a life skill they're working on right now. (laughs) And we talk about these life skills. And now I think, you know, you think, well, there's lots of good life skills that they could learn. Well, before we get too excited, the first life skill they had to conquer was sleeping. Yes, that was the first one, because if you don't know high schoolers, sleeping's not really, they want to sleep, but do they actually? No. Um, Eating, eating well is on that list of life skills. We need to learn how to eat, like at the right time and the right things. (laughs) Drinking water, this is a life skill we've been working on. And in case you're wondering what the hardest life skill currently for senior high school boys is, it's napkins. (laughs) They have no clue what napkins are or that they should get them, or what they should do with them. And so that is also a life skill we're working on. So some of these life skills may seem really huge, like sleeping and eating, but some of these life skills are important. And so I've learned that in my mentoring and teaching them, it's not just about theater. It's not just about God. It's about how do I live life and survive? And many times there's things I say to them that I know their parents are saying to them. I know their parents have said it over and over. But for some reason, when I say it, they hear. And that's crucial that people have that kind of person in their life. Because we all know that We love our parents or we love our best friend or whoever it is who advises us, but sometimes we listen to others differently than we listen to them. So the next section we're going to talk about is cherishing, and I'm going to invite Britt up to share about what it means to her about providing, protecting, and loving. They'll put it up when you start. When you, when you talk about your Hello. Um, so my name is Britt Grange, and I'll introduce myself. Um, I am married to Kyle, and 
some some of you may know him. You see him around. He's got a beard and tattoos and looks gruff. Um, and we have two kids. Um, we have two biological kids. And um, I have a picture. There's our family. And so our two biological kids are, um, we have Gideon. He's the little boy in the middle. He's six. And then we have Ezra, who is four. And then we have, um, we have the twin baby girls, Kinley and Kenzie. And they are 15 months. Um, and we have... Um, through foster care, we have had them for 10 months. So they entered at a really young age. Um, but it's, it's so interesting to look back and think about how we've gotten to where we are. <laughs> um, because I was one of those people who said, I could never do foster care. That is way too hard. I could never do foster care. I would get too attached. You know, I was I was that person for many many years, um, and that was a reality for our family that we were going to stay away from that because it would hurt too much. Um, that was until God really opened our eyes to um, my eyes and my husband's eyes to really see a whole other world out there that is really broken. Um, we, I mean, he opened up our, our eyes, he opened up our hearts, and eventually he moved us to open up our home. Um, so I have a few stats just because I'm a logistical person. And um, did you know, last year, just in 2017, CPS, Child Protection Services, checked up on 3.2 million children. 3.2 million children just last year. Um, And of those, over 670,000 of those kids went into foster care last year. Um, And so... In Dane County, which is where we live, and and even in surrounding counties, um, the demand for foster care exceeds the supply of foster families. So, I mean, it was just God's way of really slowly breaking our heart and witnessing and knowing what these kids, these horrendous things that these kids do endure. Um, So when we very slowly stepped in and made sure this is, okay, God, this is kind of where you're taking us. Um, This world of foster care opened our eyes just to see how broken people are. Um, And really, what we've seen is really just the worst of the worst. Um, That's what they take these kids out of, is the worst of the worst. Um, And most of them do not know Christ. I mean, the brokenness just festers among foster children. Um, and even more so, we found this out, even more so their parents. Um, that's where it stems from. And even the state workers, I mean, they've been doing it for so long that they need to completely remove their emotions in order to do their job. I mean, it makes sense. Um, And with this brokenness that we encounter every single day, um, we, our family gets to see so many reminders of our need for the gospel. And we have, as our family, we've been working alongside what I call our village. And we have tons of people. I mean, my family, my husband's family, and we have a life group and, um, even professionals and all this stuff. I mean, they just really rally around us and we wouldn't be able to do it without them because it really takes a village. Um, and sometimes you just need someone to like vent to and talk to and, um, get through stuff. So I'm very thankful for those people. Um, and the, this team that, that gathers around these children to provide security and stability and, I mean, support in just a crucial time in their life. Um, And as followers of Jesus, we just know it's our job to care for these orphans. Um, We have this hope. I mean, Jeremiah 29, 11, 
we have the promise of a future and a hopeful one. So we, yeah, we have this hope and we have this joy. We have this unrelenting joy and his mercies are new every morning. Um, we are a true testament that he provides that because we didn't think we'd be able to do it, but he has proven himself in that with him walking alongside us and in the people alongside us, like we get through it. I mean, we're still here. There would have been, um, yeah, I mean, just foster care is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) It's, it's very hard and some days it's too hard, but the Holy spirit walks right with us and, um, we just know it. Every step of the way, we see it. Um, because if he didn't, we would have given up a long time ago. Um, but we have this reminder from Jesus who gives us this satisfying eternal perspective, right? So we can't keep it to ourselves. And it really is a calling. Um, and I really believe for each one of us in our own way. And sometimes God throws in those sweet gestures of confirmation to us of what we're doing. You're doing it. You're doing it right. You know, you're walking, you're walking right. Um, so one super cool thing I want to share is that, um, God had this connection between the girl's biological mother. She sings. And so she would always sing to the girls when they were in her womb. And I found that out and I was like, Oh, I love that. You know, I just, I love that. Like I'm drawn to that. I was like, that is so cool. What a cool thing that you passed on to your girls. And I was like, I love to sing. (laughs) And then, um, I kid you not, these girls were singing before they could talk. And so they, um, their first were their first three words were the common ones. Hi, mama and dada. And so this is the coolest part, you guys, <laughs> is their fourth word was Jesus. Okay? Seriously. <laughs> Hold on, it's because um uh, Um, it's because Jesus lives in our home and he lives in our hearts and we talk about him and we talk to him all day long as a family. Um, so since day one of getting these girls, we have made it a point to make sure that they know they're so loved by Jesus. Um, and one special thing we do even with, with all our kids is every single night we read our veggie tales devotional. So we've been doing that for a year and then we finished it and we celebrated because going through something for a year with a kid is a really, really huge accomplishment. And so we, um, celebrated and then, um, the kids were so excited. We are going back through it again. So we're like halfway through it again, which is really exciting. Um, but that just, it just shows like that, you know, having that, um, having that, habit. I don't know if that's what you want to call it, but it's, we've stuck with it and it really helps. And then, um, when I tuck the girls in at night, I sing to them the yes, Jesus loves me song. And, um, and so they'll sing it, they'll hum it back to me. And it's like the most precious moment. And then there was a few times when, um, the girls will wake up. Like, so when they wake up, they literally are singing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They're singing. I mean, it's just like there's nothing more beautiful than a little baby singing Jesus. Um, And that, I mean, that literally confirms in me constantly and just tells me to keep going. You're doing it right, you know, all this stuff. And so, um, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just so beautiful. I can't even describe how beautiful God's confirmations are. Like, you know when you get that feeling, you know, you're doing something right. Um, and so anyways, back to the main point, not to get too far off topic, but that at the end of the day, these girls and all foster kids, I mean, they just need a safe place and they need to feel loved and like really loved and right where they're at. Um, they're coming out of really messy situations and that's why kids go from foster homes to foster homes. And, um, there's a lot of like wrong perceptions about foster care, I think, because once you know what the kids are coming out of, it's like you have this whole deep appreciation for them. You know, it's like once you get to know them, you can't, I mean, you get it, you know, and you just walk with them um, and provide for them in a sense of, 
practicality, of course, but more importantly, pointing them to their maker, um, who promises that they have been wonderfully and fearfully made and have a beautiful purpose. Um, And as believers, I truly believe it's our job to walk with them and find their way. Um, And that might look different for you and for me. Um, And I mean, sometimes it's just loving and providing for a season. Um, And sometimes it's walking alongside someone who um, needs that ear or needs that help or needs that, you know, um, making someone a meal and things like that. Like sometimes that's just what people's callings are. But um, yeah, the, the idea of just being there for them whoever that is in your life, and just cherishing them. Um, That's what we're doing right now for these kids, is just cherishing them where they are right now. And so as Brittany said, um, it may look different for you. You may not be able to take in foster children, but you might be able to come alongside a family who is and be part of their village or you might be able to help that family in some way. You may not be like me where you feel called to teach, but you might be able to come alongside someone and teach them life skills, like how to cook, how to do their taxes, things like that. There's so many ways that we can make disciples, and it's based on how God created us to be, how he's equipped us so that we can equip others. And then our next one is comforting. I'm going to ask my mother, Jerry Carlin, to come up. And she's going to share with you about what it means to be a mom and a grandma to people, how to listen to them and be there for them. Thank you. Jerry Carlin, that's right. Sarah's mom. Yeah, hold that there. Okay. <laughs> if you can, hear me. Wave your hand at me or something. <laughs> um, I'm not a talker. I'm a listener. So this is a hard thing for me. I wrote some things out at home, but I left them there because I'm just, <laughs> I'm just having a conversation. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not giving you details of, of, of things, of how to do things. Or, or, but I am going to talk about life in general. I had a lesson when, I was, when Sarah was very young on how to listen. Uh, she was in elementary school. And after school and after work for me, and I was very intent on making supper, doing what are we going to have and getting it ready, and Sarah wanted to talk. And she does, she's a, she talks things out, and it's a very good thing. And I always enjoyed the fact that she would talk about what's happening in her day and what's going on in her mind. Um, but... I was more intent on what I was doing than I was on Sarah. And she took my face and turned my head toward her and said, listen to me. <laughs> and I did. I focused on her, stopped what I was doing, and listened. That, that helped me become a listener. Because when I'm listening to someone, I turn off everything else. I don't worry about a response. I listen to what they're saying. What I've discovered is it's a way for people to process what's going on in their lives or in their mind. They don't need somebody to tell them what to do. They just want to talk it out. And quite often at the end, they're already telling me how they're going to handle what's on their mind. It's an amazing thing. And I think it's it's a a joy for me that God has given me that ability and that every year it grows a little bit I have different people to listen to and different issues that are on their minds one of the things I've found people need moms it's not just children um, some time ago I'm, I'm going to use her name because I asked her if I could Missy Boyd asked me didn't ask me. She just started calling me mom. And I went back and asked her why as I was getting ready for this. And she said, because you were always warm and welcoming. We felt so comfortable with you. And we felt loved. 
And we can all do that. It wasn't anything I did intentionally, but we built a relationship that lasts today. Missy and Scott come over on Christmas Eve, and that's our one big yearly event is when we have time together. Otherwise, we don't see, see each other a lot. Sometimes a birthday celebration or something else, but, but we still have that relationship. She continues to call me mom. I've had some other people ask me, Can I, will you be my mom? And they've been older people. Um, I can look at somebody in the 60s and consider you a youngster. And I've had some women in the ranges of 40 to 60 who have said to me, will you be my mom? I wish you were my mom. And the reason is because I do listen. I don't give them advice unless they ask for it. And we quite often pray together. And it develops a relationship that they needed. Sometimes it's somebody that has lost their mother, the mother's been gone, and they miss her terribly. So it's kind of filling the gap a little bit. In another instance, it's somebody who has not a good relationship with her mother. They have things, they have history that's been there, and, and it's hard for both of them. And just, just listening, again, helps her so much. So this is something that is a, a life skill, something everybody can learn, and something that shows love for another person. And the result of that love is that it's returned. So we both feel the joy of a relationship and the love. It's a fabulous, comforting feeling, for not only for them, but for me too. Thank you. My mother has certainly taught the person who likes to tell people what to do how to listen. So I appreciate not only did she listen to me, but she taught me how to listen to others and how to love them. And I appreciate that. And so the final thing is sending. Um, there's going to be a collage of photos up here. And these are some of the, what I would say are my kids. Um, these are students of mine who, that I have worked with over the years, and the four in the corner are the ones, those four guys I was talking about, who are currently, I'm working with. And um, they're about to graduate in a couple weeks, and they will be sent off, and there's some others from other years. And they are still in my life. I still mentor them and disciple them, but in very different ways than when they were here. And I want to say that um, it's crucial to make disciples because we need to send them out. Um, I particularly work in the arts, so who you see up there are people who are becoming filmmakers and actors and um, ministry. Um, Some of them are going into ministry, pastors and things like that. And in my making disciples through Christ and pouring all that I have into them, whether it's teaching them about acting and drama or life skills like sleeping or no matter what it is, they're now able to go out and it's hard. Moms know this and others know this. When you love someone deeply, it's hard to let them go. But we can't build the kingdom if we don't because they're ready to go out and that's what Jesus did. He gave them his authority and he said, go, make disciples and I will be with you to the end of the age. So I don't have to leave them. I can still have long phone calls and FaceTime and all these things. I get the calls when they're not happy about finals and stressed about whatever. But right now they're being equipped in other places and they're going out and they're being lights and making disciples themselves. And so I want to encourage you, no matter what it is you can do, you can disciple. It doesn't have to look like what we sometimes say it is or think it is in a church setting. Each and every one of you can be mothers to those. And so... Our final quote, I adjusted the original one just a little bit. Your biggest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but those you disciple. And so I want to encourage you this morning, disciple. 
Jesus commanded, go and make disciples. It's not as hard as you think. In fact, it's a huge, huge blessing. So I want to tell you one last story and then we're going to pray. Mother's Day has always been difficult for me. Not because I've lost my mother. I am blessed to have her in my life. And I've had her in my life for a very long time. And I hope for even longer. But since I was little, I wanted a family. And I wanted to be married and I wanted to have kids. And maybe not in the same way because I wasn't as much about little babies and as some girls are and wanting to hold them all the time. But the idea of having a family, I've always wanted. And Mother's Day was always hard for me because everyone would ask the mothers to stand up and what I wanted I couldn't have. And I know there's people here today who feel that same way. Either you haven't met the person yet who you want to marry and have a family with or you haven't been able to have children or for whatever reason you don't have children. Mother's Day can be difficult. And I remember praying to God, I don't know why. But what he did when he taught me to make disciples, to nurture, to cherish, to comfort, to love, all of those things, is he brought me children. So if you're in the next service, you would meet more of them. But I'm going to ask any of my kids who are here today to come join me on the stage. I think we might get maybe two or three of them. I don't know. 8.30 in the morning is early for them. (laughs) So I'm going to introduce you and the people at 11 o'clock. They're probably going to meet more. You saw some of my kids up on the screen. Oh, here's here's two of them coming. I want to introduce you to my children because God knew my heart's desire. He taught me things and he brought me children. And in bringing me those children, not only am I making disciples, but he blessed me beyond measure. And so, this is Leanna, and this is Ashlyn. (laughs) And they are two of the ones that I call my kids. And this one gets a lot of it, because he works for me now. (laughs) Here. (laughs) So, and um, I just want you to know that God hears you. He knows the desires of your heart. It may not turn out the way you thought, But if you do what he's called you to do, he will bless you and give you what you've asked him for. So what I would like to do right now is have anybody who's a mother, a teacher, a mentor, anything in that category. You don't have to be a female who has had a child. I want you to stand up right now. Can I have that microphone that's down there? Sorry, I should have had you leave that up here. We're going to pray over you, and then we're going to pray again. We're going to have a second prayer as well. But I'm going to have Ashlyn pray over you. Because I think it's important for children to pray for those who are mentoring, teaching them. And if your child happens to be with you, um, I know a lot of times they're downstairs, I'd ask them to put their hands on you as well. Um, Because we want to pour into you a blessing, but also what God might have for you. So Ashlyn's going to pray for you. And then we're going to do one more prayer and close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these teachers, these mentors, these parents. God, I pray that um, you just continue to bless them and pour into their lives so that they can continue to pour into the lives of those people that they're mentoring and all of their kids, God. And I pray that you just bring down a great blessing on them in your name. Amen. Amen. Now I'd like to ask everybody else to stand. Um, We're just going to close with one last prayer. Sorry, I'll switch. Sorry, I'm confusing you guys because I've got two microphones. (laughs) Um, And I'm just going to pray over you for whatever it means for you to become a nurturer, someone who cherishes, someone who comforts, someone who loves and sends, a mentor, a teacher, whatever it means, a parent. So um, if you open your hands, if that's something you want to grow in, you want the Lord to bring into you. I want to pray that. And then the worship team's coming and they're probably going to have a a song or two here at the end. Um, But we'll just close. If you need to leave and go on to your Mother's Day activities, feel free to do that or stay in worship for a little while. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are not only our father, but our mother. That you 
nurture, comfort, cherish, love us. I thank you that you sent Christ to be that example of who you are. And when he said, go make disciples, he had already shown us what that meant. And so, Lord, I ask for the mothers in this room, for the mentors, the teachers, or maybe those who haven't stepped into those roles yet but want to be disciple makers, would you bring to them those that you want them to pour into? Would you make it easy? Would you, they not be concerned about saying the right thing or the wrong thing or how to do this or do that, but rather just open up their lives and whatever gifts and talents you've given them, they would freely give those. And Lord, I especially ask that you would bring people into their lives to disciple who, are, who don't know you. Because I know that the power of this discipleship is that they will find you. That's their nurtured, cherished, and loved, and comforted. They will come to see you. Just as that video first said, people need to see you, Lord. And we want to be those that show them to you. So I ask that you would pour into everyone here today who is asking for this. Just pour yourself into them. Would you re-anoint them in the talents you've given them and the gifts? Would you bring young people to them or brothers or sisters or maybe older people? I don't know. Maybe some people in this room are going to become the sons and daughters of someone who needs that or the brother or the sister. Or maybe they're going to become the father or the mother. But whatever plan you have, our hearts are open and we ask you to come. We ask you to help us build your kingdom because it's your kingdom we want your will to be done we are your hands your feet and your voices we ask that you take what we give you and use it for your glory in jesus name amen